Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to contemplating how God's preached Word impacts every moment of our lives. This sermon was preached at Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska by Pastor Tim Barone. Grace and peace to you in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, who calms the storm and has mastery over all creation. Amen. Let's open up to Mark chapter 4, which is page 839. We'll see kind of what's going on in in the gospel of Mark as we continue to journey through Mark uh, together as a church. Um. There's two kind of ideas that would be useful to to keep in our minds as we're looking at this, Uh, and that is that in this miracle in particular, and maybe better than anywhere else in the scriptures, Jesus is really being revealed to us uh, in two lights. We see his faith, so we see the faith that Jesus displays as he shows us what it means to be a perfect human who trusts perfectly in his heavenly father, his creator. So we see that perfect faith of Jesus on display. We also see uh, in Jesus, we see that he is one that we should have faith in. So not only should we imitate his faith and strive to, to put our full trust in the Heavenly Father in all things, but also this miracle reveals to us that Jesus himself is a worthy object of our faith. Uh, Jesus is revealed as uh, an equal to the Father who has the same authority and power and we should trust him in the same way that we trust the Heavenly Father. And so let's look at this uh, scripture together and just a little bit of context. I want to remind you, if you went to the beginning of chapter 4, Jesus is preaching from a boat and the reason he's preaching from a boat is because there's been this huge crowd that has gathered And he's largely dealing with tension. There's some people who are accepting his words and rejoicing in them, and there's others who are rejecting him. So there's some who are saying uh, he's working for Beelzebul, right? He's a son of the devil, and that's how he's casting out demons. Even his uh, mother and brothers are not sure if he's not just having a high fever, and they're trying to get him out of there. So there's some controversy about his preaching and teaching. So this crowd that has gathered... Uh, is not just all a friendly crowd. Uh, It's kind of a raucous crowd. And actually, if you were looking in the Greek, it kind of says that this this crowd is gathering around him. The word is kind of like squeezed. So like a tube of toothpaste, right, being squeezed. That's what causes Jesus to maybe get some distance and some safety and back up into the boat to continue to to preach and teach. But he preaches uh, kind of some warning parables against those who reject him. And also some teaching parables uh, about the kingdom and why some reject the kingdom and some accept the kingdom. Why it seems to be hidden in plain sight for many people. But this is the context. So he's had a very long day. A very long day. And he's had struggles. And he's kind of pushed into a boat. And this is where we pick up uh, verse 35. It says, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. 
And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But Jesus, uh, but he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. So the first thing we should just notice is Jesus is sleeping. Uh, How many of you, after a long, hard day, maybe if you've had a, a falling out with your friend or a hard conversation at work or an argument with your spouse or your kids or uh, something like that, how many of you just go right to sleep at night? Or do you stay up anxious, writhing, you know, with the difficulty of that? Did I say the right thing? Uh, are we ever going to be able to come back and repair this? Um, this conflict tends to unsettle us. But one thing we see about Jesus here is he's just snoozing. He's taking it easy. And I, like, I saw a meme recently on the internet, and it basically said, uh, you know, this year I want to be more like Jesus. I want to take more naps on boats. <laughs> and I really like that. I think it's a good mantra for this year after all we've been through. But it's interesting that in the wind, in the waves, after the turmoil of the day, Jesus is sleeping like a child. I think it's useful for us to think about uh, today on Father's Day, even, if, if you're a dad, you know uh, when kids feel comfortable in your arms, they fall right to sleep. And there's that picture of just, I know I'm good. I'm in my father's arms. I know I'm safe. Uh, good fathers do this, right? They, they pick up their children. Their children feel secure. And this is a picture of Jesus. He has this perfect childlike faith that he just rests in the arms of his father. And this is actually Uh, one way that the scriptures describe a righteous person. And so one uh, famous instance is Proverbs 3. Uh, In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. And so Jesus' perfect faith is on display here. He says, uh, all that I've been through today is in your hands. I commend my spirit into your hands, O Father. And I think this is something we should emulate is something we should observe, something we should wonder at. Uh, Because I know, um, probably just like you, that I don't always have this kind of faith. Uh, I wish I did, and I think, sometimes I think as a pastor, man, shouldn't I just be able to throw that switch and just have zero anxiety, zero fears in my life, zero upset nights, tossing and turning? But it doesn't come so easy. And I think this last year and all all the COVID realities, we all kind of had that experience. You think, man, I think I thought through this enough. I think I came to my settled point where I'm not going to worry about it anymore, right? (laughs) And then you continue to struggle with the stress of it, the the changing um, circumstances, all of the different things that you had to deal with. And it, it was hard. It bothered us. And I thought, why can't I just rest in God's arm? I mean, I can't control a virus. Can you? I can't control what the political leaders of our world do. I can't control uh, what the scientists are saying. I can't control much of anything. And yet I stay up and I worry and I'm anxious as if I could. And I think this is something that we should look to Jesus for as well. We see Jesus has this perfect faith. He's sleeping on the boat. He's not concerned. And even in the midst of a storm that's causing them to, his disciples and all that are with them, to be fearing for their lives, 
Jesus sleeps soundly. He has this in mind, in peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. The next thing we should think about is going beyond the mere imitation of Jesus and the appreciation of his faith to where this text, I believe, is revealing to us as well. So after that, what happens? Uh, He's asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, this is verse 38, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, with all that happening, uh, let's back up a little bit to a question. This question kind of snuck up on me as I was preparing for this sermon. But that is this. Who sent the wind in the first place? Because the scriptures are filled with conversation about God, the creator, he's the one who puts the seas where they need to go. He's the one who commands the wind. And so we read in Job this morning, right? Uh, When God is questioning Job after Job questioned God and his justice, uh, God says to Job, I'm sure you know how all this came to be. I'm sure you know who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb. I'm sure you know uh, who says to the sea, Thus far shall you come and no farther, and here shall shall your proud waves be stayed. Don't you? All of the scriptures point to God is the one who controls these phenomena. God is the one who spoke them into being. God is the one who commands the wind and the waves. And actually, one of the the context uh, connections in this connects us to the psalm that we read this morning, And that psalm tells us that God is the one who controlled the water during the exodus. When the people of God were coming across the land, God is the one who told the waves to stop. He's the one who commanded the winds. And so all of this is pointing out to this, this difficult question that I just asked. Who sent the storm? Uh, God Almighty sent the storm. We must confess that. Why did he send that storm? He sent the storm so that it would be revealed that Jesus is his equal. Right? Jesus, after being wakened, he's the one who rebukes the seas. He speaks to creation. He speaks to this life-threatening event that they're going through that makes them feel powerless and small. And actually, uh, our translation says, peace, be still. It sounds kind of nice, doesn't it? But actually... The words in Greek are a lot more aggressive. It's more like this. Shut up. Be muzzled. It echoes this authority that we see in Job and other places in the Bible that God commands the sea with his voice. He puts it in its place, we could say. And Jesus stands up. He sees his friends threatened. And he speaks a word of rebuke to the seas. And this is fascinating what happens after this because it says that they were filled with fear. 
Uh, Jesus rebukes them. He says, why are you such cowards? Ouch, Jesus. Why are you being so cowardly? But then they were filled once again with fear, but their fear transferred. Their fear was not of the wind, not of the waves, but in the midst of this calm peace, as the sea turns to glass, as all of their fears melt away, their fears are transferred from the wind and the waves to the one in the boat with them. And this, I believe, is the dynamic uh, that the, the scriptures, the Holy Spirit, is getting into us today. That we need not only the faith of Jesus to imitate, but we need to have faith in Jesus. Because the truth is, our faith is pretty weak. It's fickle. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. Uh, we bail on our faith all the time, right? We, we let ourselves down. We throw out our convictions if they're too difficult. But when we see Jesus standing above the waves, our, our fears are transferred away from our circumstances and to this person. If this person can control the wind and the waves, certainly our fear is more rightly aligned with him than all these other things. In the Gospel of Mark in particular, there is a theme of fear. And every time it's mentioned in the Gospel of Mark, it signifies uh, divine revelation, a, a divine showing of who Jesus is and his power. And so I'll give you a few uh, examples of this. A little after this, Jesus will cast out demons from a man who is demon-possessed, who is living in the tombs, and no one can bind him even with chains. And he casts out all these demons into the herd of pigs. Uh, they go and jump off the cliff. And then he fixes the man. He gives him clothes, and he's in his right mind once again, being healed by Jesus of demons. And when the crowds come to see, and they see this man totally normal, no longer afflicted with demons, they are filled with fear. Because who gets to command demons in our life? Who has the authority over these things? Uh, similarly, a little after that, uh, there's a woman who has an issue of blood, and she dares to reach out and touch Jesus, and the power goes out from him and heals her. And so she, he looks around and says, who touched me in the middle of this crowd that's squeezing him? Who touched me? And she is also filled with fear, because who gets to heal our bodies when all doctors fail? And so every time fear is involved, it's a revelation of who Jesus is. We can see him a little bit clearer in his divinity and his majesty as he does these things. One of the best examples and the most important probably, it comes a little bit later in the, in the gospel in chapter 10 when Jesus starts talking crazy talk and he starts saying stuff like, the son of man is going to be killed, crucified, and on the third day he'll rise again. And as he begins to teach and preach about his own death, he starts heading to Jerusalem for that purpose. And it says in the text that he's going on ahead of the crowd and the disciples are astonished and the people who are behind the disciples, the rest of the crowd, him with all that we have because he is the one who is strong when we are weak. He's the one who's courageous when we're cowards. He's the one who never bails on his convictions. He perfectly does the will of God. Uh, the book of Hebrews beautifully says this, uh, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, 
but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus was the perfect man. He always did what was right. He always did the Father's will perfectly. He always trusted the Father, and he did it for us. The text says, you have a high priest. We have a high priest. Who is this Jesus who's going on in front of you? It's God in the flesh coming to do what you would never do in a thousand lifetimes, coming to perfectly fulfill the will of the Father, coming to die for the sins of the world, to raise us up to be with him. And he doesn't fall ashamed to call you his brother, to call you his sister, because he knows the temptation. He knows what it's like to be weak and vulnerable, yet he is the one and the only one who has overcome it. Of course, the most famous passage in Mark that has to do with fear is when the angels after the resurrection tell the women at the tomb, do you remember what happened? They run away with fear. (laughs) And they don't tell anyone, actually. But it's that revelation that Jesus, the same Jesus who calmed the storm, is the same one with the supernatural courage who went right to the cross and transcended death even with his resurrected body. It's God himself, worthy of our trust, worthy of our imitation. And so, when we think about these things, there's maybe one thing we should wrestle with today, and that is God might bring fearful things into your life, as he did for the disciples on the sea, as he did for all those other boats that were with the disciples. He might bring terrible things into your life that fill you with anxiety, that fill you with fear, that captivate you and make you feel small and helpless. But this he would do if in the end he reveals to you Jesus. If it takes that in your life, if you must go through fear to despair of your own power until you see Jesus more clearly standing above it all, you see him standing above the wind and the waves, commanding it with his voice. You see him standing above cancer, standing above disease, standing above warfare, commanding there to be peace. Shut up. Be muzzled. If the things that we are put through in this life that God brings into our path, if they function in our lives in a way so that Jesus is revealed to us, This would be according to God's will and for your great benefit. Because God's will is that you would believe in Jesus Christ and trust on him until your dying breath so that he may raise you from the dead. Um, It's no um, wonder that in Revelation there's a picture of the sea But the sea is not choppy, it's not chaos, it's not danger, it's glass. It's described as glass. Meaning all of the things that would cause us terror and fear, all of the things that would raise our anxiety and our blood pressure and cause us despair, all of those things will have been dealt with by Jesus himself. And all of the saints who are there, they take off their crowns and they throw it down at the feet of Jesus because of what he has done. And so this Jesus is being revealed to us 
May he continually be revealed to you even in your fears, even in your worries. May you see the risen Christ stand above these things and trust him. And as you do, transfer your fears to him. The fears of this life will fade away. I think the great, um, the great hymn, Be Still My Soul, says it really well. And so we'll end with this uh, beautiful poetic work. Be still my soul, thy God doth undertake to guide the future as he has the past. Thy hope, thy confidence, let nothing shake. All now mysterious shall be bright at last. Be still my soul, the waves and wind still know his voice who ruled them while he dwelt below. May it be yours in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you.